0: Hi, I'm Paul Camillos. Join me and my co-host Jacinta Gavin for Series 4 of Shooting the Breeze. We cover women's hoops and women in hoops. We talk to inspiring players, amazing coaches and the legends behind the scenes and at the grassroots of the game. During this series we'll be covering the FIBA Women's World Cup where the 12 best teams of the planet are coming to Sydney. And of course we'll be covering Australia's longest running women's professional sporting league the WNBL in its 43rd season. Hit that subscribe button, like and review so we can get more Hoops content to you.
1: players are commodities there's a lot of people in the world that don't like to hear that but they are they come and go they change teams Mm. they chase contracts they make the best of their career while they can and they should yes but the fan is the person that you as a brand can be connected to for life
2: and that is powerful stuff
1: In the second part of our Hearts and Minds of Our Superfans podcast, we continue the discussion with our fan panel on what they want and what they want to see from the professional women's hoops community. It's an important conversation that challenges preconceptions, but also acknowledges the very real issues teams and the league faces around funding and resourcing. If you haven't already listened to part one, make sure you go back and check it out. This episode was taped in early January before the recent Sydney Games at Key Centre, where players have been seated courtside to meet fans. If anything, it drives home our original point that opportunities to engage fans serve the sport so well. We want to thank our fellow fan panel for their heartfelt thoughts on what they want to see in the sport we all love. Enjoy part two
0: so okay i want to ask something else and that is in terms of news coverage of the wnbl it has improved and it's been a bit up and down i would like to think that a lot of the coverage that's out there is more than just trying to give lip service to the league but i'd like to get your opinions on what you see and what you think of the quality of what you're seeing.
3: Pretty similar to the commentary. I'm kind of sick of seeing articles about the same players repeated. Give me a little more depth about how the team is going. Um, if you're going to rag on Veely, mention that she's like hand-raised, ball-ace, potch, and all the other COE girls that are absolutely killing it. Offer me something different other than... Caps are losing, their, all their players are injured. Offer me stuff about Miller Goodchild. Offer me stuff about Chloe Bibby and all the kids that are coming back from the college system and are killing it. But like, I don't think I'd seen a single article written about Steph Reed's rise other
1: than Squins on ABC. To be fair, I think uh, some other outlets have recently though, to be fair, but uh, again, thanks for the shout out, but... <laughs>
3: And then pick and roll are great. I subscribe to them and I'm so grateful that the WNBL have brought them on board for game day articles and in-depth things. And I definitely think that does kind of fill the void that we were talking about
4: before with accessibility for new people to the game. But if you don't subscribe and pay money to these things, um, you know, and you sit down and you watch a news service, so your Melbourne news service, you get Southeast Melbourne Phoenix shoved in your face. You get Melbourne United, nothing about Kayla George throwing a triple-double first time in 10 years. Like nothing about that and nothing about the Flyers. You know, it was great when LJ came back. She hit the news just because of who she is, but not about the basketball. And I spent a lot of time in the car and I've always got it on in the afternoons and I listened to SEM. I love Andrew Gaze, but there's nothing, there's nothing in there about women's basketball. No weekly wrap-up. You know, we play games Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's that's sport. That's heaps of sport. Nothing. Nobody to cover it. You know, thank goodness for Megan Hustzwaite. You know, we get an article once a week in the Herald Sun. That's great. One article. You know, and I think if Andrew Gaze hadn't have been at the World Cup, we probably wouldn't have even heard about the Opals over there on radio and barely on the news. Like, I'd... I couldn't say I actually saw it covered on Channel 7 or Channel 9. So this type of thing is really, really disappointing. That to me, you know, when you see how passionate Kayla George is talking about getting there, just getting them out in front of people, it really makes you want to stand up and do something because these athletes are given their absolute all and we can't even cover them for 30 seconds on the Sport Channel. And, you know, we've got female sport reporters that aren't even standing up and saying, I'm going to cover a women's sport. Matildas, yeah, absolutely. Netball, absolutely. Women's cricket, absolutely. Women's basketball, we're playing on the world stage. Why is it not in line with them? I don't get it.
3: There was a double page spread in one of the papers that I cannot remember and I've deliberately probably wiped it from my mind, but it had a player profile on each of the players. Written above Kayla George's photo, was Carla George. Oh. Yeah. Uh, my mum's like, you okay. should have just stuck to your Instagram and looked at the no. players on that.
0: Okay. <laughs> I'll actually tell you what happened there. That's the autocorrect working because you'll also find that on a lot of the live stats where they don't check the name, Poch shows up as Pouch hmm. because that's what the autocorrect picks up and fixes. So th- that's not to excuse it.
3: Yeah, yeah, I totally right.
0: understand. You know, it's just that this is where if you've got a good sub-editor, they'll pick that stuff up. And if the stats people, you know, and, and look, they're generally punching all that information in quite late in the piece as well because I've seen that up close and personal. They're doing it not long before the game starts and they've got a lot to get done. So that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. And there's just sort of like, you know, it's it's one of those situations of you want more haste, less speed, if you know what I mean when you're going through it.
3: And also if I'm buying a World Cup preview, like special edition newspaper, as a fan, I kind of expect that to be proofread. And I understand that it's not always going to be proofread and there's human error, but it's just put that care and effort and money into funding editing for women's sport.
0: Yeah, or given the quality of some of the newspapers, just sub-editing generally. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Or, like, just building, like, to go positive again, I guess. I honestly wouldn't be on Twitter if I didn't follow the WNBL and WNBA. There is just a wealth of knowledge there and how, I don't know, it's just where I get most of my news from.
0: So, Nick, I'm going to come back to you again. So I just want to ask your opinion on the the news and, and the articles and what you think.
2: I remember there was one day where I think it was after the first doubleheader the Kings had finished and they'd won. There'd been NBA games on during the day. And my mum texted me and was telling me that they'd done a story on the news. They talked about the NBA results of the day. They talked about the Kings and they hadn't even mentioned the Flames. And um, You know, the Flames were playing at the same time as they were talking about the Kings. And it's, how hard is it to say, and at halftime, the Flames were locked in a tight battle with the Bendigo Spirit. You know, if we're talking about one australian league playing in the same place on the same day how hard is it to just throw in a mention there just to put some relevance on it um i really like seeing all the articles that come out from the alternative media like some of the things i've seen on twitter like hoops db that do all the keep a record of all the advanced stats and all of their assist webs and all that i love going in checking out all of that and Dean Andrews, his website, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but going and looking at everything that they're doing, you know, I feel like we don't get anything from the mainstream media. So whatever we get from the alternative media, really, it doesn't fill the gap, but it helps to get something there that people can look at and people can read it and form an opinion from that. But it's so hard without having any mainstream media coverage. And
1: interestingly, Lily, when you mentioned how all the CAPS articles are behind a paywall, Canberra Capitals are the most successful Canberra professional sporting team in Canberra's history. And I remember living in Adelaide and regardless of what was happening in the world, the news was always led by a story about the Adelaide Crows. The Adelaide Crows went to a spa today. Great. That was always whatever the Adelaide Crows was doing was leading the news. It was so it was very interesting. Very Adelaide. But Like considering the caps are the most successful Canberra team in ACT's history, the fact that not, I don't expect that they're going to lead the news in the same way the Adelaide Crows did in Adelaide back in the day I was living there. But the fact that the articles about them, the most successful team in your backyard with such a strong fandom aren't even accessible for everyone, that's wild.
3: And I asked Brent, who you guys have had on previously, um, he's not the journo, but he's a Canberra journalist. And he basically said that, like, that journo goes out on a limb and it's paywalled because that journo's time, that's, like, not what that person's paid for. So it's their way of saying to the boss, like, look, I'm bringing in subscriptions, here's pay for my time, which I totally understand. People need to be paid for their time and effort, but how do we grow? And I guess that's why I'm so grateful that not all of the pick and roll is paywalled anymore and that basic things are accessible. But just yeah. coming back to visibility for a second, and you've spoken about this with Megan Husweight before, an increase of player engagement like game day. I see the same players posting game day stuff all the time. Where's someone posting from Bendigo or Canberra that Sydney and Adelaide are playing? Where's this league-wide support? from players, from fans, notifying, okay, this is happening, let's get behind that. Like how do we get media to back us
4: when we're not backing ourselves? Yeah. I think though that, you know, you spoke to Marina Whittle the other day and just how hard it was for her to get photos of herself. Um, I found that just so interesting, the amount of effort and time and energy that each player has to go to to get the photos that were taken of themselves so that they can post them so that everybody else can share them. So hard enough for them to find, you know, to be pushing their own agenda, let alone trying to help someone as well. So I was really, yeah, I was quite taken back by that, that they spend so much time trying to find these photos of themselves just so that they can keep pushing their own, um, just their own sites and for their interest of their family, their friends, and anybody that follows them that to me was really eye opening
0: yeah, it's to me i think one of the issues is there's a split that happens with a professional league the league tries to be more professional as they become more professional there's it's almost like a different attitude starts to take place you know we've got to get the clubs don't take their photos anymore it's done by a professional agency. We do this, we do that, because that'll help us engage with the fans, but it has the exact opposite effect. Now, I remember, and I've seen this happen with in motorsports in Australia. I remember years ago, you used to be able to go to a track to watch a race, and you could buy a ticket to go to the paddock so you could actually talk to the drivers, talk to the mechanics. You could talk to people. You could engage with, with people involved in the sport. As it became more and more professional, there are more walls that are being put up, which then takes away from that that fan engagement, but it makes it more professional. Do you think that the visibility issue for the WNBL may have something to do with that kind of push and pull of engagement that happens as a, a sport tries to become more professional?
1: I want to make a quick point while you guys think about your answers. Just going back on the visibility in mainstream media, it's just kind of dawned on me in a sense that we know a couple of people now who are professional sports writers for mainstream media and they would love to cover more basketball, especially WNBL. But when it comes from their powers that be, uh, you know, their bosses are saying this is what I want you to cover because it gets more clicks or it's more popular, etc. So, They do want to cover it, but when their bosses say, no, you've got to go cover something else, I guess they have to do that, right? So that kind of, for me, dawns the question of it's not so much about the leagues being mainstream. I think basketball as a sport in Australia needs to be mainstream. Basketball in itself I don't think is mainstream. The sports that we commonly, you know, the water cooler talk at work when we talk sports, it's always what, NRL, AFL, sometimes A-League, that's your mainstream sports. When you can just have a very passive superficial conversation with someone in a coffee line, that to me is when a sport's broken mainstream. No one's talking about basketball unless it's NBA. And even then it's what Warriors, Lakers and the end. Uh, What does Michael Jordan still play? No, he doesn't.
3: I get that all the time with Lauren Jackson at work. Oh, how's Jacko going? And that's like the, the extent of the WNBL conversations I have with people at work.
1: I think that's okay though because at least then that's like a gateway. But I think basketball as a sport itself needs to be mainstream before we can expect mainstream media to then cover the leagues. Does that kind of make sense? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I think it was Damien from Pick and Roll tweeted the other day about sports number of viewers and increase and decrease and it was just really interesting. I, the tweet was something about cricket's views going down and then basketball viewership increasing and how the media wasn't reflecting that. So I definitely think it is a systemic problem.
0: Well, it definitely doesn't. I mean, Cricket's just recently signed a new broadcast deal. that's in the, you know, north of a billion dollars and, you know, I saw some photos from the MCG for the, the last test between Australia and South Africa there. There was a lot of empty seats. So, yeah, it's I think whatever it is that's been happening to date doesn't seem to be working. There's a need for, for something different to raise the visibility. And I think that's something that needs to also be done, needs to be engaged not only with the fans but also the league itself and the clubs so it's all three because if the fans aren't consuming the content which means you know if the content is not of a good enough quality the fans aren't going to consume it but the information's got to be able to come from the league and from the clubs to the media to be able to build quality content that will engage the fans so it's kind of like it's there's a few moving pieces to that one
1: sorry i really... I really distracted from your original question, Paul, about, you know, professionalism versus accessibility, if you want to go back to that, because I think it's yeah. a really good point.
0: And I think that's the other part that goes with it, which is, you know, does the drive for professionalism mean that we're going to start putting up barriers between players, athletes, and fans? And I'll throw out an example, and this is going to get me in trouble with our friends here in Sydney, but... Melbourne, you guys, when the game's over, the players stay and they're, they're signing signing stuff on the floor. In Sydney, the players go up to the barrier. To me, that's kind of one of those examples because you're literally saying, we're on this side of the fence, you guys are on that side of the fence, we'll sign and, to a point and then we're going to go. Whereas the Melbourne experience, and I'm not sure what it's like in Canberra, But the Melbourne experience is, yeah, we're going to bring out seats and we're going to have players sit down and they stay there and they sign until everybody's gone, which is something that I know Kayla said when she was on the show was something that they would always do. We stay until the last person, you know, has gotten the signatures that they want. And like I said, I don't don't know what Canberra does, but I think that's a great way to build that fan engagement.
3: Lauren Jackson stayed for two and a half hours after the Perth game to make sure everything was signed the other day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's an away game. Mm.
0: Yeah. So my question is, do you think that part of the problem with the visibility is there's no concentrated effort to build professionalism while keeping the fans engaged in that personal way that we have seen in the WNBL for so many years, that it's affecting the interest of the media to the league?
4: I'm not sure if this is going down the right path, but you talk about these, you know, they want to build the professionalism we seem to be losing these athletes like ezzy for instance who's on Nick's t-shirt because they're chasing the professional dollar which they can't get here and so which is really hard because obviously we don't have the money to pay them but you hope that they that they do their stint and they come back and then they engage with the fans like for ezzy to come back to melbourne To be able to queue up in front of her, again, as a mother, um, to pick her brain as to what it was like over there, just to see her back on our shores playing would be fantastic. But the thing is, if she does that and, you know, for instance, she goes to Paris and she plays, there's got to be media attention on players like that when they've done this round trip. They're so young and they're taking on the world and they're doing fantastic, you know, wherever they are in the world. And then they finally come back here and play, they just slot right back in. It's just like going back to your, you know, your local club and, and playing, and nobody's there to welcome her. There's no, you know, there's no fanfare. There's no coverage. It's like why shouldn't she be covered? If you want the professionalism, and you want the connection with the fans, somehow there, there can't be these barriers. And we're the ones that pay the money to be able to approach these players, especially at Melbourne. You know, we've followed Kayla for so many years and just to be able to go up to her and, you know, she says, you know, just certain little things, it's almost like she remembers you and they have this ability to just to really bring you in. And so I hope that that never changes in chasing this professionalism and trying to get the media involved as well. I really hope that, that they never lose sight of that because that's what makes to me, our Melbourne team's really, really special is that they really want to be part of it. There's no barrier between us and them. And as a young player, you can strive to be that person sitting on the other side of the table.
3: Just to build off what Claire was saying, and Paul, you asked before what Canberra was like post games. I think this is a classic example of professionalism and still being accessible. So that LJ game where the Flyers came up to Canberra and played here, that was the first time that I've seen a signing table and chair ever be brought out. The following home game, they then had players sit in chairs so they could sit down and be rested and things like that. Building on top of professionalism, Maybe the league gets to a stage where they're having fan days. Like I know Townsville does open training sessions and come and get your stuff signed. Not to rag on the CAPS, and I'm so sorry. They had an open training the other day for members only. A couple of my friends who are members went to that, and the CAPS girls looked shocked to see everyone there. And they were training at UC Gym, and their training session was over like social leagues came and trained and the girls had to leave. There was nowhere for them to stand around and sign. So it's just you've got these great ideas they are just executed not to the best of their ability. And I, I wonder where the line gets drawn with professional women's sport and accessibility to players after the games and things like that versus men's professional things. And I'm, obviously the girls love signing or they wouldn't be there. Obviously the leagues made that decision And you hear everyone saying how much they love the interaction with the fans. But I just wonder where that equilibrium is between having everyone accessible after the game and the importance of a proper warm down and cool down and recovery time after a hard loss and emotional vulnerability and things like that versus having a fan day once a month and having things signed. I just, and I'm not saying there's a right or wrong answer, it's just... There is a right and wrong way to be professional, and I think I think what you're saying about Sydney is a very visual representation of, mm. and like Canberra with the open training session, it's it doesn't sit right.
0: Yeah. Uh, Nick, you've been at those games. You, you know, as a fan, how do you feel
2: about that? The thing that really frustrates me about Key Centre, specifically Key Centre, is because the seats are built, above the stadium so you're looking down the players have to climb up onto the court side seats to get to the fence to see to sign things and take photos like they have to hang on to the fence it's just silly like why are we having people climb up onto something to take a photo with someone why can't we organize this better you know the other night when we were at the Qdos game they got kicked off the court they couldn't even do their warm downs properly because the kings had to come out and warm up so they got kicked off the court They spoke to a couple of people in one section, but because QDOS is so big, you know, you can't spend time walking around talking to everyone and they had to warm up for the next game. So they got kicked off. It's just fan engagement in the league is something that I've seen done really well at other places. And it can be really good. It can be really important. You know, it just seems like an area that Sydney's being let down, that they're either being kicked off the core or they're not organising other things. I know the Kings had an open training session sometime in December that I think was before the school holidays, So you couldn't even have that many people go to it anyway. But why can't we do open training sessions? Why can't we organise things like that? Why can't we do these things, you know?
3: And that's like possibly a great way to involve the members that we were talking about before, offering like a special members-only fan day or a members-only training session and things like that that just, I don't know, just come up in conversation with my friends all the
2: time. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of the Sydney-based sports, a lot of the NRL, the AFL, they have fan days where you can go and get things signed, get your photos with the players. I went to a lot of them when I was younger. And why can't we do that? You know, why do we have to put it on the players to come out after a game and spend time on the court to hang out and have photos and have selfies? You know, they've just played a game. They don't need to do that right now. Sure, it's great that they do. And I love that they do. And I appreciate it so much. But we shouldn't be expecting it of them we should be organizing other things so that they have alternative ways to get the fan engagement
1: okay yeah, I, I agree in the sense that just really quick by what both of you have said that the fan engagement at Melbourne and caps is great but the expectation of players to do that after every game I would imagine that your players that are playing 30 plus minutes a game getting to the stretch of the season, you know, talking to Jade Melbourne on the weekend after another heartbreaking loss for the Caps, and she said, I am exhausted. We've played five games in 12 days. I haven't been this exhausted in my life. Under those circumstances, I don't know how much fan engagement would be on their mind. Sometimes a player needs to set a boundary and just go, look, I just need some downtime for myself for half an hour before I do that stuff. So the the things suggested like scheduling a members-only uh, training session or fan day or something would be able to then allow the players to set that expectation ahead in their mind going, oh, okay, today at training I've got to be mentally prepared for this and not have that expectation of, oh, after every game, even when I'm not up to it, I feel obligated that I've got to be signing autographs for two and a half hours. Do you know what I mean? Just letting yeah. them set that boundary.
4: I think, you know, I think the other thing is sometimes is that, and we see it on the television, you know, for instance, in say the NBA or something, you know, a game's done and the game might not even be finished and LeBron James is already walking off the court. Now, to me, that's just complete disrespect for everybody that's there and that's not something that I would like to see happen, that, you know, once that whistle's blown, you know, they just go. And that's just being selfish because I love them and I love watching them. But there could very well be, even if it's just a, you know, even if it's just a wave and they walk around and they clap and they thank you for being there. But I also think the other thing, it's, and you hate to say it, but there might come a time where there's an incident and this type of conversation we won't be having because people won't be allowed on the court. And for us at Melbourne, it's very easy. You're actually on court level. So you walk up and down, it. you know, kids see themselves on television. So you're actually there on their level. So there's no having to climb up or anything like that. So they're very accessible, but I think, you know, that we might not be having this conversation and it might be taken out of our hands. God, I hope it never does. But I think it's very, very hard. It's very hard. You don't want to see them just leave because, you know, I've given everything to supporting them. And even if they lose, I still want to show, you know, my love and affection for them and say you guys did a great job. So it's, yeah, it's really, it's really, really hard, and I'd be really disappointed if they just walked straight out and there was no recognition. Um, not that I queue up to get selfies anymore. As I said, my kids are a bit older now. They just wave at them and, you know, we move on. But I think they do have quite a bit of downtime before they do come up to the tables and that. There's definitely, you know, their strength and tra- um, conditioning guy that's there, and they really do. It's got to be a good half an hour before they approach the fans. So... It's like 10 minutes max. Um, yeah, no, I've definitely hmm. seen them wait a lot longer than that. And they all like to huddle together and they're laughing and different, of course, when they're lost. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I think while, while we're able to do it, I'll take it and I'll enjoy it.
0: Okay, so, look, while we've been, you know, this visibility has kind of moved into the fan area, let's just stick with the fan community and then we might sort of bounce back to merchandising and that sort of thing. So. One of the things that I took away from the podcast we did with Justin Nelson some time back was take care of your fans and everything else will take care of itself. Loaded question, does the WNBL take that approach to heart? And I'm not talking about the league itself. It's, it's more the clubs. But is this something that the league is, is taking to heart?
3: I feel like the first step towards that was everyone complaining about the broadcast and us feeling listened to and tweets and messages being sent out the following day saying we understand it's not good enough, and then three weeks later that they actually did improve. I feel like that was the first step I've seen towards
2: embodying
1: what you just said. Okay. Nick?
2: Something, was it Justin Nelson that spoke about having the cheaper parking as well, like, you know, knowing that you might be able to get some more people into the game if you have the slightly cheaper parking to go with your tickets. Something, something along those lines.
0: I can't remember.
2: There was someone I remember saying something like that. And if you go to a game at Sydney, either Kudos or Key Centre, and you prepay for your parking, you are paying $25 to park there. Hmm. The most expensive general admission ticket for the plane is $25 a key center. So you could be paying more or you could be paying the same amount to park as you're paying for your ticket. I've got the full game membership. So I'm paying, I think it was $170 for all 10 games. So I'm paying $17 per game and I have to pay $25 to park there. It's just, it seems wrong that we're doing, you know, maybe we're underpricing the tickets, but I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me that parking is so expensive for a, you know, if you're sitting in Cat 2, that's $10 a ticket I think it was.
0: Okay, that for that one I do know that the the parking is run by uh the Sydney Olympic yeah. Yeah. Park Authority, right? So, this is one of those things where they they charge whatever they can whatever yeah. they can. Yeah. And look, it it sounds absurd. You know, when you when you put it like that. Yeah, I'm paying 17 bucks a game and I'm paying twenty-five bucks a game for parking. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, it just it sounds bizarre. But this is I
1: bizarre.
3: wouldn't go. Yeah, within like a two-minute walk of the Canberra venue.
2: Mm-hmm. Um yeah. can
3: you get free public transport or anything? No. That's the
2: hey, other this problem is, is new, this is of, New South Wales. Yeah. Where where the stadiums actually are it's very hard to get through to a lot of trains because it's on its own train line that you've got to get, you've got to get about three different trains to actually get there. And normally they only run the event buses if there's something really big on like grand finals or that sort of thing.
0: And also the other issue with the key centre is it's not where, it's it's quite a distance from Kudos Bank Arena, which also means the support facilities like, you know, meals etc there's not a lot of choices i think there's Mm -hmm. like a coffee shop and a convenience store across the road yeah so yeah in terms of like opportunities for the fans and and kind of taking care of the fans there's there's a bit of a, a weakness there when people actually sit down and look at it do you think that has an impact on the on the the audience attendance throughout the season i mean claire you made it pretty blunt it's like yeah for that sort of money, I'm not going.
4: Yeah, I wouldn't go. So, so we got notification yesterday that because of the early game tomorrow, which is at 5.30, heads up, it's right next to the Melbourne Zoo. It's school holidays. So take public transport. So it's like, oh, okay. I wouldn't have thought people from the zoo would park that far down, but parking is never a problem. State basketball centre it is. There is no parking since they're making the new massive stadiums and that out there. But it would make a huge difference if $25 on top of, you know, you feel as though that's the type of thing as a member in my package, I get a car parking pass for those games. Or even a a no-brainer.
0: Or a discount. Mm.
4: Yeah, or yeah. Like when you go to the movies and they, like, discount your ticket. Yeah, or shopping centres, you know, spend a dollar and you get whatever off it. But if your parking is more expensive than your actual ticket, Something really, really wrong.
0: Yeah. Now, I mean, yeah, some people take that as an opportunity to go, well, it will make the tickets 30 bucks. <laughs> so that the tickets the yeah. ticket is is actually more than the parking.
4: Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually think that a you know, ticket is not enough anyway. So we don't we don't go to the MBL because it's too expensive. So if the four of us were to go, it's over, you know, it's over two hundred dollars. So yes, you could sit general admission, but you're going to be up in the rafters. So if you just pay just to get a seat in that middle sort of tier, it's over $200. But for me to buy a whole season, it's just a little bit more than that. And I'm getting umpteen gains. So I wouldn't want to see the price go through the roof. But I think, you know, due to COVID, there hasn't been a rise. And, you know, Melbourne really pushed that, that we've kept the prices the way they are and all that type of stuff. But... With our list of things that we're not getting, maybe it's time that there's a bit of a look as to how they, how charges happen.
0: Now, do you think it would be a good idea to have for the clubs to go out to the, and I know we're putting a lot on the club here, but, you know, go to the fans and say, hey, guys, we are going to have to put our prices up. How do you feel about that? What would you, what do you want to see? How do you, you know, to basically bring the fans on the journey,
4: you never get any feedback from any surveys that you do. So I'd say and send the survey out. You're going to get the answers. Don't put the prices up. We're really happy at the moment. But you'll never see those answers. So you'll never actually see what people want. There's that word visibility again. If we could actually see what people wanted, a pie graph or something that says, you know, free of parking and different, you know, different things, away game discounts, sit together somewhere. Mm. Um I think clubs also need to be, they send out these at the end of the season, how did you think we went? And that's it, you never hear anything and then, you know, it rolls around and the same membership issues happen, you get the same crappy scarf and your season's exactly the same as what it was.
3: To be honest, I know this is like scraping the bottom of the barrel, but I'm just <laughs> impressed that Melbourne bothered to send out an email about the parking
4: and <laughs> to send out surveys. Tony's pretty good. He does, yeah, He whether or not he types them or not, but... I would like to think that I actually urged that to happen because I was the one that asked about Bendio and it was the first thing on the list (laughs) saying, sorry, there are no seats. General admission is your best way. So do
0: you think this is actually a real-world example of where teams are falling down with engaging with their fans? Yep. You know, things like the survey at the end of the season and then you get no feedback. Do you really feel like you're a member? Or do you feel like you're a financial lifeline?
4: Um, I definitely feel like I'm a financial lifeline to them. You know, to be really nice, and I don't think it's ever happened. I don't ever remember it being offered this type of thing with the fans and a round table, an open discussion. Melbourne Boomers members, what do you want? The smallest little things, the pin that we talked about. I've been a member for seven years. I want to wear it with pride and it's something really small but it would make me feel really good. So, you know, and, and don't handpick your members that you know that are going to give you the answers that you want. So it's put it out there and get people to put their hand up and say, yeah, I want to be involved in this.
0: Okay. I want to roll on to merch- merchandise because I think this is all interrelated. I think it's pretty safe to say that, the quality and range of merchandise available is probably less than optimal. Would be a nice way to put it. I can tell from all the all the chuckles and smiles around the, on the screen that that's <laughs> there's probably some more uh, some more blunt words that could be put there. I'm going to throw this one out. I reckon just based off your comment, Claire, about the badge. I think what would be really smart would be everybody who's a member. Yeah, give them a keyring. I was a member for this year. Give a member for that year. A member for the other for the next. So, you know, they're not going to cost that much. And I'd look at it and go, "Yeah, I'm feeling like I'm getting something." Those sorts of things. What do you guys think? Is that kind of the right direction? Before we get into things about more general merchandise,
4: like my daughter's a member of um, Collingwood Football Club, and so she just gets this little tiny folder and just opens it. So she's got her patch that she sticks on her on her scarf so she can keep collecting them. She has a badge that says how long she's been a member for, plus her sticker for her car and, you know, calendar and all, all of the other stuff that we always get. But it's packaged so nicely. And when she opens it, everything comes out individually and is read and is looked at and then it's added to. And that is a membership that is going to last for a very long time because she feels like a member.
3: I'm just going to say jinx <laughs> because I <live> <laughs> Collingwood supporters are far and few between. AFL supporters, it's generally GWS or Swans. But the amount of car bumper stickers you see and the back of the car is just coated in, yep. I was an AFL member for this season for this club. It's just a way yeah. of wearing your club as a like a
4: and you talk about it in your own car when you drive past someone that's got that bumper sticker if it's not your team you give them a mouthful you know what I mean only inside your car but the thing is if you saw a Southside flyers person you do the same thing because we're Melbourne boomers they're flyers it's this rivalry but we don't have that because we just don't have the merch that does that type of stuff
3: and also, like, wearing a pin on your jacket to work or your scarf on the train gets a conversation going. Yeah,
4: absolutely.
2: My dad and I have been NRL members for the Roosters for 10 years this year. So we just got our package just before Christmas and it's got a little golden keyring that says 10-year member on it. And I've got a hat for every year that I've been a member all sitting upstairs yeah. in my room, you know. It's just little things like that that make people feel valued, make them feel special. It's not hard to do a little membership hat that's got member 2020, member 2022.
3: And this is the thing. I feel like the caps are almost there. They did a really cool shoe box with UC caps with the logo. But then, um, and they did a hat, which was a member only hat, which has a gold C on it for caps, like standard, like American college kind of caps. And it's, you know that those people are members, but it doesn't say member. And then within the box is just those small things like stickers, um, stickers for sponsors. It's, it's just missing the mark by a tiny bit. But then that box is great. The kids can go put all their signed things in it. You can put your photos with the players. Like it's so close, but it's just
1: falling short. It sounds like things that, are, that have a lot of thought that are simple but have a lot of thought. So things that are very simply honouring the fan, like you said, Nick, having a keyring that that has the club, a huge club like the Sydney Roosters, have recognised you and your dad as ten-year members, and they want to reward you for that. And it's a keyring. So on the surface, it's something very small, and it can be seen as just a token, but it has so much value. And I think the fact that it is the value of that thought and follow through, but also a key ring that you can use. You don't have to necessarily use it to a mm-hmm. rooster's game. You use it every day for your car keys. You take it into work. You know, like Lily said, it strikes up a conversation when you're on public transport. Those types of things where it has that thought about paying thanks to a fan or making a fan feel seen but something that can be used in everyday life outside of when you're going to that sport. Like uh, Lily spoke about the bottles of Australia drink bottles that cats used to have. That is, to me, perfect merchandise.
3: I still have my pink Carly Wilson one because she always wore pink socks and that's something that I remember like eight years later.
1: And I still got my player bottle as well. That's the thing that I enjoyed the most taking away from it because the elastic in my training shorts are just about to go bust. I can't keep them forever. Actually, though, I wish I was joking. that They sounded broken the other day. But that drink bottle with my name on it, no one can take that away from me, you know what I mean? Circling back to merch, Paul, there was a really interesting tweet
3: the other day that one of the NBL players still didn't have his name on the jersey. And I tweeted back kind of half-jokingly, that there are two caps that don't have it. Mila Goodchild doesn't have it. And I'm sure there are multiple players across the league. It's so disheartening. And as Claire was saying, Mila Goodchild certainly deserves more credit than she's getting. How do I know who she is unless I've been a fan for X amount of time or I'm a dedicated Melbourne Boomers fan? How do I know who she is when she's on court?
0: Uh, look, that's a really good question and it's kind of, it's one of those, okay, if you're bringing someone in their first their first week, maybe two weeks at the outside, after that they should have their name on their, on their jersey. You know, that's motherhood stuff.
4: You know, if they can't look after a player with a welcome pack, you know, here you are, here's your kit. Like you see it in the WNBA, they open the box and the whole thing is there. It's the most exciting thing for them. But if the club actually can't do that, then they definitely can't make us feel like the number one member. So, yeah, I think having your name on the back, that's that's just a no-brainer.
3: As someone that's been fed up with the merch that's offered and gone and made their own, I just <laughs> genuinely, like, go buy a vinyl cutter and just, I like, players should not be responsible for that. and I'm not putting on the player or club at all. But it's just I don't know how we get to the stage where it's professional league. I don't know how we have players running around with, jerseys without their name on it months in like i don't think Munga has hers and she was around three edition
0: yeah I, and you mentioned the the merch itself i mean brent and and emma groves when we talked about the fan art you know and there's that the t-shirts that that emma did for Bunce. this is the sort of stuff that we should be seeing coming from the clubs they should be doing stuff like this for the players but also I'm going to throw this one to you because, Jacinta, because I know you're going to have a vent about this, about jerseys and how quickly they arrive.
1: <sighs> Man, I was never one really for jerseys until I started talking with other fans online and they asked me what jerseys I collected and my answer was I don't have any. and Maybe that's an issue because I didn't think of that. Well, I guess because I've always just worn my old jerseys from 20 years ago when I have to go down a Sunday scrimmage, but... Never really thought of it as a way of further representing and advocating for the league by wearing a jersey to Sunday scrimmage with a bunch of guys, right? Speaking of conversation points or, yeah, a way of starting a conversation. But I would like to wear, like, like the guys at Sunday scrimmage, some of them will turn up with the newest NBA stripe, the newest city jersey, you know, a week after or however. I mean, sure, they probably pre-order it and whatever else to have it on time. But they've got it when that conversation's current. So for me, ordering all the Indigenous round jerseys, I want it when that's current, when the Indigenous round has just been on so then I can be like, yes, WNBL just had an Indigenous round. This is what it was like. We also shouldn't really have to whinge on Twitter as well that we want one of those warm-up tops that the players were wearing for the uh, reach-out round and for the Indigenous round as well. Um, so thankfully that was another good point where we made enough noise that they were then available to purchase. But the delay, the fact that, A, they're not made here is disappointing. And then understandably because of COVID and, and factories were shut, but it took months for me to get my Indigenous around jerseys. And by then the season was finished. And lucky, you know, we had the World Cup, so it could still be a point of conversation of whose name I'm wearing on the back. And then, to be honest, the quality... What didn't fulfil the fantasy in my mind of the first time I was buying a WNBL jersey, it shouldn't have been that difficult for me to get them and in terms of the delay and then I got the quality and I'm like, I feel like the Indigenous print wasn't really done justice on the quality of the jersey either, which I found a little bit disappointing. But, I mean, names on the back, just surfing back to that, if they can print Maley and Jackson jerseys on site at the World Cup, I'm not too sure why a club can't organise a new signing jersey with their name on the back within a couple of weeks. Um, But, yeah, the the delivery and the mode and and even going to a game, like I'm not too sure. Please correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but can we purchase Flames jerseys at the game?
2: We can purchase them, but I know that at the most recent game, I ran into one of Tiana Mangakahi's brothers during the game. And he yeah. saw that I was wearing my jersey, so he started a conversation with me. And he said that they bought jerseys at the stadium, but they bought the last 10 jerseys they had. And that was all they had left. So they were just wearing plain, flames jerseys because that was all they had at the stadium for the game.
1: Yeah, and even, you know, I know Adelaide Lightning had a pride round, and even though that wasn't a round that all of the club shared last season, I wanted a pride jersey for sure. But you could only get it if you went to an Adelaide home game. And as much as I wanted a jersey, I wasn't going to fork out money to fly to Adelaide and go to a game, just things like that. And, and a lot of the things I feel like we've talked about, this particular point included, it's just the word that, phrase that comes to mind is half-baked, where it's good intention but it's only executed halfway and we need to find a way of all the things we've talked about in terms of attending away games, fan engagement, merchandising, We've got to make it as easy for fans as possible to keep them engaged with the league and to keep them turning up because there will be a time where people will stop turning up. So- Can I just say something super quickly about fanning yeah. back that I was going to say before
3: because Claire brought up a brilliant point about Ezzy playing overseas. Yeah. It hasn't changed in a billion years that you cannot not find anything. I remember being 12 and trying to find where's Jenna gone and finding videos of her playing at the LA Sparks on YouTube. And those were far and few in between. Ezzy is now on a team with Alice Koenig. And Alice, if you're listening, please come back. Um, <laughs> but, um <In>
4: Melbourne. <laughs>
3: and, and Sykes. And, yeah. like, there's so much missed opportunity there. And building into what's happening not in the WNBL at the same time, in the EuroLeague and things like that. Equally, I think the WNBA do a, such an amazing job at WNBA free agency. Jacinta and I literally sit on Instagram and we're stalking who's in the back of trainings and Jacinta's just just like, oh, I think Ruby Porter signed with Bendigo. And I'm like, oh, then you just send me the screenshot of the tiny little Ruby Porter in the background. We shouldn't have to stalk
1: people's Instagrams to know where people are going. Like, <laughs> yeah, it should be the primary source of us knowing where people are going. <laughs> well, it sucks. I spend too much time on social media, and Lily's put these pieces. I enjoy doing that stuff, but at what point is like, should that be really the source of our information? We're not running the Moy, you know, celebrity gossip girl type website here.
0: And this is really interesting because. To me, this is the sort of stuff that should be getting put out there. We shouldn't actually all have have to go and become WNBL Indiana Joneses to go and dig up information on what's going on and how's it happening and what's happening. And and the thing is, that impacts everything. This stuff should be known. You should, you know, so that the fans can know. The fans can also decide, oh, yeah, I want to go and buy someone's jersey. You know, whatever it, all of this stuff is interrelated. My personal beef this season, and again I'm going to get myself in trouble with with Sydney is guys, I don't like bucket hats. Don't like them. <laughs> right? Don't wear them.
1: Nick give me a, a bucket hat.
0: Give me give me a baseball cap. That's fine. Sorry. You know, that's just me. It's trendy. Yeah, no. Yeah, but not everyone can wear one. I can't wear one. <laughs> no, no, I can't do it. But I mean, that's the whole point. If you're turning around and you know, I think the Kings have a few different styles of caps. The Flames have a bucket hat. Well, you know what? The Kings can have two different styles of caps and give the, the the Flames have you know a cap or a bucket hat. The World Cup, they were printing names on jerseys. Why can't you have that capability? You know running out of Tiana's jersey why this is the stuff that just shouldn't be happening
4: before COVID when boomers were at the state basketball center you could buy the jersey and then the guy just put the heat press on and there you were you had it named off your trot number and everything yeah so it it just makes no sense that they can't have their name It is the people that forgot to bring the Lauren Jackson stencil for
3: the
1: World Cup.
0: (laughs) I was waiting for that one to show
4: up.
1: Sorry, who? Is that just a bench player? I don't remember. (laughs) That one good game, right?
0: Okay, I'm going to go around and I'm going to ask you guys one thing that you really love about the WNBL as it stands. And the one thing that you would improve, and I'm going to start with you, Nick.
2: One thing I would desperately love to see improve is I would desperately love an app. I mean, it's 2022. Why don't we have an app? NBL One has an app. Why can't the WNBL have an app? I don't get it. Why can't we do it? Is that that hard? Not that I know anything about app development, but if NBL (laughs) One can do it, not nothing against NBL One.
0: No, they just adjusted the NBL app, but, you know. Okay, and the one thing that you do love?
2: The thing I've loved the most this season has been the quality of play. And um, You know, Kayla George's triple-double, Steph Reed's huge game she had a couple of weeks ago. The quality of the teams is great this year, and I know it looks like we've got a very clear top four and a bottom four, but all of those teams on their day can still be great, and I've just loved actually watching the quality of play.
0: Okay. Lily?
3: I just want to say my poor caps in response
1: to the Caps look, reaction.
0: <laughs> look, Lily, I will say this about the caps. I'm gonna go back to Cheryl Chambers last season in Sydney. The flames were like zero and like three million at one stage. I, I think across that whole season they only put a full starting five on the floor twice. And The first game that the team won was against one of the best teams in the league that season, and it just came out of the blue. So anything's possible. Definitely.
3: And I think people have short memories as well. 2016, 2017, we went the whole season without winning a game, Then we won the last game of the season season against Townsville and that Townsville team had Van Loo and Tess Madgen. And it's just the Canberra way. You have a couple of rebuild seasons and then you're right up in the middle and then you're back near the top. And they wouldn't be with my team without that. So it's just we shouldn't have all the injuries. The injuries was what hurts.
4: Yeah.
3: So what I love about this season is how many young players are getting the chances that we haven't really seen before other than the, the hub season when we were blessed with seeing local talent I don't think we otherwise would have seen. I think this season has personally eliminated for me my worry that younger players weren't going to get the opportunities that were seen in the hub. I think the returning of the college kids speaks – the strength of our league and the returning of new imports as well as old imports. So, like Tiff Mitchell's come back. We've had Lindsey Allen around the league for ages. We had Kia Nurse. And now, like, Sammy's sticking around as well as like Chloe Bibby coming back and Tiana from college and things like that. Plus, like, the rise of the COE kids. I'm endlessly impressed with Izzy Ball Ace. Like, there's an Adelaide game. I'm straight there. My mum's like, oh, Izzy's playing tonight, not Adelaide. <laughs> like, you just. There's something so great about the young guns getting a run and Mila Goodchild, like, it's just endless. Yeah, that's where I'm at.
0: Great okay. the
3: young ones are getting a run.
0: And what's the one thing that you'd like to see change?
3: I guess consistency across the league. Something that really annoyed me at the start of this cap season was we paid $15 for a preseason game. And I understand that there are costs that need to be covered, but it's really disheartening when you see Melbourne Boomers fans just a gold coin donation. And it comes back to that accessibility and I guess the league setting the expectation of this is how a professional league should be run, this is the blanket rule for
4: all clubs.
0: Okay. Claire?
4: Well, I think they both covered it really, but uh, (laughs) just definitely the calibre of play this season has been just amazing and for me, watching Kayla George get fired up love it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think just that you know the one thing that's not so great about it is this constant struggle that these athletes have to be seen and to be heard is just it's not good and I really really feel for them that we can't watch them on the news and we, we don't see them in the paper. Um, we don't talk about them on the radio. And I just really hope the more we all talk about it, the more that it's going to change. And, you know, when my daughter is as old as me and she's got kids, that the WNBL is mainstream and the basketball is mainstream. So that, for for me, if I can help them with this struggle, then I'm all for it.
0: Okay. Jacinta, I'm going to ask you too.
4: (laughs) This will be good.
1: <laughs> oh, no, no, lower your expectations. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing that I've really enjoyed this season is, yeah, is is probably the level of competition. Also seeing, I guess, a combination of what everyone said. Um, It is always going to be very competitive and unpredictable, even when we get to the end of the season and, you know, if the younger teams, I shouldn't say younger, but the teams like, Sydney and Caps, you know, if they're still jostling at the end, you can guarantee that despite who they're playing, they're always still going to play their hardest and it's still going to be a tight competition. There's not going to be 40, 50-point blowouts. So I think that's a real testament to the standard of the league. Uh, But I also really enjoy being able – it's a prime opportunity right now. I don't know – you know, I'm sure if I go back into the archives, I could probably find other examples, but seeing – Existing Opals and Opals greats like Lauren Jackson playing next to our emerging Opals with such a talented league and such a breadth of talent, that really excites me. So all the players that you named before, your, your Bibbies, your Atwells, your Melbournes, your Ballazers next to George, Jackson, Sammy Wickham, side by side, like being able to have these competitive matchups. Even the matchups of like Christy Wallace and Matty Rocci. I mean, that is a high quality matchup. And to think that, you know, I'm sure most of you were seeing seen my tweet yesterday about how a guy admittedly had never watched women's basketball and he assumed that women's basketball wasn't as aggressive and competitive. And I'm like, you watch Chris Wallace <laughs> and Matty Rocci in a 40 minute game and come back to me. Like, that's the stuff that I really, really enjoy. The thing I'd like to see improved. I have to be honest, I have to give credit that I feel like the league in, you know, for all of its turbulence this season, I do feel like the league, particularly Christy, is doing her absolute best with what she has to make the improvements. And I think that in itself, her commitment to making improvements and making hard decisions to try and get the league in the right direction is admirable. So I have to give her credit for that. You know, I know that the broadcast hasn't been the best, but at least she went out there and got a broadcast deal that would potentially make basketball more mainstream. But I think it's what you guys, what we've talked about, going back to that idea of things being half-baked, of having a little bit more of a considerate thought into some plans, tying off those loose ends of providing a fan bus to away games, providing... Feedback from surveys. If fans are going to invest in those things, that is equally as much fan engagement as it is as having the players stay back and sign. It is all of those things. And i just like to see some of those loose ends or half-baked ideas with a lot more follow-through and commitment from club level and from league level. And I think part of it, touching on what Lily mentioned before, of having something more standardised, is going to be more helpful and that is also going to promote more professionalism of the league as well. And perhaps attract more, you know, players to player attention or attract more players to come from overseas.
0: Okay. First of all, I'd really like to thank all of our guests, Claire, Nick and Lily for joining us on the show. It's been great. I've really felt that the, the feedback from you guys has been amazing. And I think also from my point of view, it's great to hear your opinions on what, what works and what's not working for the league. And hopefully people will listen to this and and they do take some of this stuff on board and, and start looking at how they can, they can roll this information into like tangible improvements for the league. So everybody, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate having you on the show and your insights have been amazing. Thank you. Don't forget to send us your comments, thoughts and feedback on this one. Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.